Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. Briefest of programming notes. As it turns out, we ran into some technical difficulties while recording this week's Dispatch. Um, I am really sorry for the inconvenience. We engineered it, re-engineered it, um, and we're eventually able to get it to a place where I feel pretty good uh, about releasing it. Uh, but the audio is still a little bit uneven, so you're going to have to endure that inconvenience while listening to your free podcast, and there will be absolutely zero refunds. Um, I did want to thank John Thompson for the phenomenal bottle of uh, Old Pogue bourbon. Very, very fine. Um, so the podcast itself is of a very fine vintage. The bourbon was of a very fine vintage. And um, I'm delighted to report that we had the fabulous and talented uh, Barry Weiss join us this week. She is super smart and interesting and funny. And uh, there was a bunch of breaking news, but we covered a lot of ground and we finished that entire bottle. Um, well, Matt did, really. We, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your almost weekly rhetorical assault in the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. The first time we recorded this, I said something really smart and witty about how seven days elapsed between dispatches. <laughs> and not witty. Really wasn't and you know what's funny? Like we lost it because some guy named Anthony Fisher screwed up the Ugh, recording. Wow. The worst. He, he's gonna say it wasn't me, I saved the podcast, but I don't care. <laughs> is that your oh, is that your wife? At any rate, I, also, I believe that I lost the podcast. In addition, <laughs> in addition to Anthony Fisher, voice of God, we also have my very good friend, Matt Welch. You had to look up his name, didn't you? Exactly. My yeah, I'm looking at extremely. I'm looking at my computer. And there's a blank screen that says "load failed." So I don't even know <laughs> so what that means. Me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Matt Welch, editor at large of Reason Magazine. Um, I also had a great joke there about him being one of two of them and how we don't know what they do. I, I'm telling all of you because I'm really disappointed that we lost a minute. It really wasn't that show. good. It wasn't yeah. that. No, it really no. wasn't. <laughs> And now you've stretched it out for an extra minute. Well, there's Michael Moynihan. He does various things at this place called Vice for their show that they have on HBO. Not that one, the other one. Um, and last I week, th- I do things for both shows on yeah, HBO. Yeah. By the way, it's but both you, shows. I got well, a bunch of pieces coming up in the weekly shows yeah, this season. Yeah. Yeah. Although on the uh, on the like the the Trump I'm doc, huge. He was so <laughs> crucial in the, in the Frank Luntz portion. They just showed him for what a second and a half. Like during the during the against thing, the wall, I believe, sort of like looking like I believe uh, the last yeah I think I, did, I didn't see it when it aired, but I think I the last edit that I saw, I believe I was rubbing my face, yeah, <laughs> and, in consternation and despair. No, I kinda, something like it kind of looked like someone who's on X who's rubbing the carpet a little bit, yeah, 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 staring yeah. distractedly. Into oh space. man, I was flying, I was rolling yeah. during that because yeah. well, you had to to get through it. I should mention that we also have a guest in the room. Yes, you uh, you hear that the feminine the feminine voice. Well, I wasn't going to say that because I don't know how you I don't know how you self identify and i don't want to presume presume your pronouns. Yeah, pronouns damn right <laughs> uh, barry weiss yeah i don't know if miss mr ms or z is appropriate um staff editor and writer at the for the opinion section at the very fake news new york times we barry, don't believe that thank you that. for being here no we don't news. we no, don't believe no. that but it's fun to say yeah it is fun to it's say. fun to say yeah. very fake news yeah uh, oh, new york slime 
New York, New York slime. This I have to say that the 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 um everybody who changes the name of a news organization to insult it always comes with a bad one. I was like faux news was always the one. Because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work. I mean, I guess on paper it kind of looks like Fox because there's an X on the end. Yeah. But it's faux news. Yeah, but it does phonetic. And then what's the CNN one? There is a CNN one. Clinton News Network. That's Clinton right. News Network. National Palestine Radio. Oh, no, that's you. Yeah, that's you did that. Totally. Yeah, that's yours. Literally, my dad did that. Over the tablet. That's what we yeah. call it. Yeah, I used to call it Radio Sandinista, but that joke doesn't work anymore. A little too old for that. Large segment of Jews in this country who universally refer to it as oh. National Palestine. Radio. Wow, is yeah. that true? Oh, yeah. And they all work in the media. Which is what I hear. Oh, wow. I had yeah. the best along with my wife. <laughs> Zinga. Yeah. I'm gonna run. I'm gonna run for the Senate in Wisconsin. Yes. <laughs> so I You're came the back. Paul Nalen of this room. <laughs> I came back to this country in like February of 1998, and we came because we are or, or a little bit after March 98. But from we had, where? From Cuba. We had tried to move to Cuba. It's a long story. Uh, won't bore you with it. But my wife was there, and uh, we thought we were gonna move there, and she went there to cover the Pope, and uh, and so the entire world. And this is Pope John Paul. It's a real Pope. Uh, not a Nazi pope or one of those guys. Uh, and so uh, they went there and the entire world's media is there. This is January of 1998, January 20th and 21st of 1998. Well, what happens around January, I don't know, 24th and 25th? It's Michael Itzikoff has a story spiked in Newsweek. Matt Drudge yeah. puts it. Two thirds of these journalists all hop on planes and get the hell back to the United States. And so now no one's covering Pope John Paul II. So we come back uh, for unrelated reasons uh, about a month later. Uh, and so I hadn't lived in, in America for eight or nine years. And uh, we listened to NPR. And for us, it wasn't national uh, Palestine radio. It was just the impeachments. <laughs> Because every single day it was about impeachment for 7,000 hours. And so I just thought that's what this is You know, the first, I'm going to tell the worst story ever told on, on, uh, uh, fifth column. So you know, on on your iPod, you can you can fast forward for, by fifteen seconds. Press the button about three times now, because then you'll get through it. I when I met <laughs> when I when I met Michael Isakoff, I was super drunk um, oh, at good. the conventions, and I it was like, do you remember David Letterman's Uma Oprah bit? That he did during that ninety five Oscars, and he goes like Uma Oprah, and it was like really bad. But I kept it was horrible, and he got he was pilloried for it. But I was really That's drunk for this. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really it's actually worse than that. I got I got very drunk, and I was uh, talking to Iskoff, and I kept on referring to him as Hosenball. Because <laughs> Matt might get nobody else does. He there was the loser uh, reporting duo. Of um, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, his was Isakoff in the lesser-known Mark Hosenball, which I who I don't know if he's still working. A Anthony can probably do the Andy Levy thing here and uh, fact check whatever happened to Mark Hosenball. And he got really irritated. It's like I'm calling him Hosenball. So now you can start listening again. You yeah. can stop skipping. It's there you go. Good. That was my story. Man. What are we talking about today, Camille? You just had this thing on uh, HBO on like Friday. Right. So we should, did. we should talk about your great conquest. You had an, an hour long special. I did. Celebrating the myriad accomplishments <laughs> of one Donald Trump. Yeah, sure. Not not quite, but at yeah. least talking about his uh, his first year. Yeah. Um, can you what, what what can you tell us? Give us some behind well, the scenes. You know, dirt. it's funny because I mean, a lot of times that I was out when when I was, you know, 
calling in or mm -hmm. had a fill-in for me. I was probably shooting stuff for this Hanging special. out with Bernie Sanders. Yeah, uh, hanging out with Bernie. Sort of I did a little. Affair yeah. <laughs> well, Bernie with, was, uh, I, did, I think I told the story about the Bernie got mad at the chair was the best thing. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you? Did I tell you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got mad uh, when he sat down, he yelled at an aide because uh, the chair was too short and it was the best because we were shooting him <laughs> and he was uh, like literally just imagine, close your eyes and imagine Bernie sitting at a table and the table is at like his chin <laughs> And, and he's like, I can't believe this chair. Why? Why get rid of this chair? And he yells at somebody, and, they, and he's holding it above his head. And I actually said to him, Are I you said, kidding? No, is he really no, holding it above his head. Swear to God. Is there, and, is and there said, video of said, this? Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, this I, is going to leak. I, I, I this is the access. I'm going to leak this. And he said, and he said, Michael, I might need to go to a vote on the floor. And I said, okay, if you do, I'm just using the chair a bit. And he said, and and, and, and full credit to Bernie. He said, that's a very good idea. And I was like. <laughs> I was like, great. So I have I have approval because he was like yelling at his aide. He's like, I can't. The chair is always here. I don't want the chair. And I was like, he's going to try to get rid of this fucking chair. Get rid of the thing. And so and then there was actually one bit we had in the cut. I don't know why we took it out. Where, um, you know, you interview people and then the producer um, it says, like, you know, you missed something or like, hey, can you ask him about this? And the producer, uh, Alex Chitty, a great producer, a British guy, brilliant guy, said, ask something. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember what it was, but Bernie was like, "That was a that was a dumb question." And I was like, "Jeez, I think I might I might have egged him on to tell him." It was a, but uh, but yeah, no, it was it was a really fun thing to do. But the one thing that I realized in doing that is that even anti-Trump Republicans didn't want to talk to us. And really? I I one in particular who I had very very close, and they'd agreed, and they backed out and agreed. And I was doing, I can't say who it was, Ben Sass. Sorry, what? I'm not going to say Ben Sass, but I'm, I it will not tell you who it is, Ben Sass. It was a long <laughs> back and forth. But, you know, there was this thing of like, these guys have to get reelected, mm -hmm. especially if you're from a state like, I don't know, just pick one, Nebraska, where people <laughs> vote for Donald Trump, right? And you're out there. And I said, look, you know, they... They hate you all. They know what you think about this stuff already. You can be Jeff Flaked. You can be, you know, Kelly Warded if you're in Nebraska, too. And I didn't get this from them. But the sense that I got was that a lot of these people didn't want to talk because of the outlet. And they were like, well, you know, if we feel like we're going and, you know, it's it's one thing to denounce the Iraq war in America. But when you're the Dixie Chicks and you do it in London, it feels different. And that was the thing was like, if you're on that outlet, if you're on HBO and you're, you know, in the show, which is widely perceived to be left of center, that if you're out there, you know, giving them grist for their meal, they're, they're not going to like it. So it was really hard to get anyone from the administration. I had a couple of people that were on the line, talked to a lot of people, but none of them would do it on camera. I, I, the only person that we've ever talked to from the administration on the show is actually when I talked to Ajit Pai. And I think it's because he likes the fifth column yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or his staffers, his staffers do anyway. <laughs> I mean, he was appointed by Trump. He was on the FCC uh, before, but but um, but yeah. So nobody, like nobody, will talk to us, and that's just a hard thing. I mean, they. I mean, there's something different that people feel about talking to your colleague Maggie Haberman, leaking something, controlling the situation, and losing control of it, and sitting down for an interview is also a difference they feel. Going on CNN for a hit that's 30 seconds, 90 seconds, or sit down with me for 45 minutes. Well, sure, I mean. You're gonna edit it, <laughs> Well, that's the thing, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing, like you're gonna edit this and you're gonna make us look bad. And I have to say, look, on the tr the Trump thing, and you saw the film, I mean, it wasn't an anti-Trump film and it wasn't a pro-Trump no, film, it was a pretty No, one of the things that's interesting about it, for those who haven't watched it, and I, I highly recommend that you do, 
is that it's on HBO Go. It's HBO. It's Vice. Uh, and it's Moynihan, and if you listen to this podcast, you know that Moynihan not a fan, like, like <laughs> not a fan of Trump. Clears everything about Donald Trump, even before he says something bad about him. It's like, no, listen, I know I'm going to say something bad about him, but I really hate him. He's stupid. Um, uh, but like it, it actually, if compared to if you were watching an hour long thing from CNN or God knows MSNBC or basically every single outlet except for Fox, mm-hmm. you would expect those things to be more predictably negative than this was. This was actually, uh, it it kind of got into the psychology of uh, his fans uh, and without being condescending about it, um, got into, you know, the the conversation he had with Roger Stone was just shockingly interesting and insightful uh, considering that it's Roger Stone and everything. Uh, No, it it made it much more interesting. And it was also uh, thankfully kind of non-linear. I mean, you would go to the border for a while, you go and kind of do different things. We had, when I was in Indiana, one of the things that really surprised me was the number of Trump voters. I thought these people were unicorns. I thought it was something that was invented by journalists, but every person I talked to were like, you know what? We voted for Trump because Bernie didn't get through the primaries because Hillary stole Uh it. And she's like Miss TPP, you know, the gold standard for free trade. And they were all Bernie supporters. And I went to the, the, the steelworkers local and I think maybe a tiny bit of it in the, but we have a ton of footage of this. I mean, you shoot 80, 90 hours and it comes down to 45 minutes. There's so much good stuff that you leave. And I was with the head of the union there and he had pictures of Bernie on the wall and, you know, the national union supported Hillary and they wouldn't do it. That, that union wouldn't. And the interesting thing was that the producer of that segment who used to work for, for Michael Moore uh, came, we were, we were leaving and he said, you know, look, it's really amazing to me because we're in this bar with these guys and, you know, there's a bunch of black guys, some like second generation Hispanic people, women, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They're all, they all voted for Trump, every single one of them. And they all, he was the second choice for everyone. Everyone's first choice was Bernie. That was one of the first things we shot. And they were already realizing that it was a bit of a scam. And the reason was, is because we went to a factory, we weren't allowed into the factory for obvious reasons, but we met with factory workers from Rexnord in Indiana. While I was shooting this, by the way, while I was shooting this, I was at a hotel, like an airport hotel, came out for breakfast, guy came up to me and said, hey, came up here for Indy 500, or I think it was Indy 500, uh, that's how long ago it was. And um, uh, the whole way up here, I listened to the fifth column, uh, nice job, and, and walked away. He's a really, really oh, nice guy. Me. Yeah, so uh, so during that shoot, I think I mentioned at the time. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so when, when we were out there at Rexnord, Trump had actually tweeted about Rexnord, which they make like ball bearings, and they were uh, moving their factory to Monterey, Mexico. And so right after the, the um, carrier business, which everyone knows about, he tweeted about Rexnord and said, hey, look, this shouldn't happen, gonna save these jobs too. He didn't say that directly, but that was the implication. But what's the difference? Well, Rexnord doesn't have government contracts. Mm. Carrier does. And Carrier <clears throat> saved quote unquote jobs and they paid God knows how much. The most interesting bit of my Roger Stone interview, which didn't make it in, we didn't have, a, we didn't have space for it. But I said to Roger, you know, how is it a conservative position? How is it a free market position when those jobs at Carrier that are quote unquote saved cost you know, $150,000 a job or some absurd number because, you know, they're just paying it in different ways for government contracts. They're giving them subsidies, et cetera. And he said, doesn't matter. Does not matter to anyone. As long as those jobs aren't in China, no one cares. And he said, I don't give a fuck what George Will thinks. That's what he said. He's like, no one cares about George Will. They care that those jobs aren't in China and they don't care how much it costs to keep them here. Sure. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And, you know, it was a little deep in the weeds, so we didn't actually include that. But there's some really fascinating stuff. And by the way, if you're in New York City on February 7th, 
we're showing the film at Lincoln Center, and I'll be discussing it on stage oh, really? after. Yeah. So, okay. so yeah, thanks for good. inviting come. us. Yeah, you're all invited, <laughs> and if you're a fifth column listener, please, please come. It'd be fun. That's cool. So yeah, it was a fun. It was a, this is a fun piece. It was I like a fun, that. fun piece. Uh, and Ann Coulter, by the way, we're, we're, I'm going to just one final thing. I'm going to the cut sexual it. tension. You could cut <laughs> it with a chainsaw. I'm going to. I'm going to. She's like that's the problem with Ann is she's crazy. Like Moynihan, fucking crazy. Moynihan, funny. Moynihan funny. had like that resting Moynihan reaction face that some of our fans have been have been very good about pointing out on Twitter and, and on, on taking Google screenshots of and screenshots. putting, putting so It's always like this sk- this evergreen this evergreen state. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. No, yeah, no. It's just kind of, it's kind of incredulous. It's non nonplussed mixed with incredulous. And, we'll, we'll find and, someone. Good. And Ann Coulter, it's like you're making me laugh, and we're gonna have a lot of sex. Really, but we, we, we the best. That, and that did not happen, by the way. The best. The thing about Michael it, is she did him. have a great quote that we managed to get into the thing is where she said that Donald Trump was the only person who had I can't remember what it was like, like just no class. And so he could make these arguments because you have to basically have no class and no taste to make the arguments that he was making. What are, which are? All of his, like sure. every everything that he's making, it's like if you have like taste and class and, and dignity, you don't make these arguments. I mean, I think that's half right. It's half right. Half yeah. of the time, he's not really making an argument at all. He's no. just stringing words together. That's um, exact, exactly. I suspect right. he's yeah. doing at Davos right now, um, which <laughs> we should probably. I was <laughs> and before See? before we transition. I want to say that that explains so much because I looked up at the monitor at work today, and there's a woman from the BBC, the blonde woman. <laughs> yeah. And she was doing the news with a with a ski hat on. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> it was just a black background. She's apparently like in the woods. And I was like, oh, Davos. That makes sense. She was, she was for our Canadian listeners, she was wearing a toque. Uh, Camille, yeah. have you ever been invited to Davos? I, I haven't been invited to Davos. That's I ain't got, got like rankle. I ain't got that kind of money, and I'm fine with that. Okay. I understand. All right. um, but I, I know plenty of people who've been because, you know, my Rolodex is fat. Uh, but we're, we're going to come back to that. I want to start um, a, at a different place. We've got some breaking news today with respect to this uh, immigration outlined stratagem that the White House has released. It's a one-page document, typical for them. Um, and they held a press conference, so we should probably <laughs> talk that mean, about that. That means I can read it right now. Um, and and <laughs> while while Michael's pulling that up, I mean, we've, we've missed, what, like eight days, and it is so odd. I mean, the pace of the news cycle and the intensity with which they will cover any number of stories, like, I thought for sure we would be talking about the shutdown today. Yeah. Um, the shutdown feels like it happened 32 years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just this past weekend. When um, was Stormy Daniels? Stormy Daniels was before that. The Stormy yeah. Daniels never really caught on. Nope. Yeah. Um, because there were so many. A shithole gate was going on. Sorry, that piece that I wrote uh-huh. beat Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. That was mind-blowing. Yes. That was yeah. mind-blowing. In terms of how little... That mattered to people. Yeah. No one cares about Stormy Daniels. And imagine this, and we talked about this in the last episode of this podcast, and we'll get in, you know, a a little down the road in this podcast, we'll get to your piece. But imagine, you know, Barack Obama paid hush money to a, basically a prostitute slash porn star. Yeah. And it, made no splash. I'd be like that, the high watermark <laughs> yeah, of his presidency. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. barely rates with Donald Trump, yeah. which I love. Yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think this is spectacular. I, it's it's really astonishing. Yeah. I mean you have to so, give the guy credit for being such a rat bag yeah. that that doesn't even rate. Well you've got to start it doesn't at, you've got to start rate. at the right place. You've got the Access Hollywood tapes and then the dossier and maybe he did, maybe he didn't piss on women inside of a hotel room. No, he didn't. Um, they pissed on each other because he's a germaphobe. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. I'm just just you broke that broke yeah. that here on the 
the fifth column. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, Christopher so had, Steele it was, was my dog walker. I know all about this. <laughs> so we had the government shutdown, which I don't know how many of those things that we've had in, in recent uh, years. It seems to be a fairly normal part of our budgetary process at this point. Um, you spend a bunch of money, you don't actually vote on budgets, keep passing continuing resolutions, and every single time you will have some sort of dust up over some sort of issue. This time around, it was immigration again. Um, and it seemed like there might be a deal, and then shithole gate happened, and then there was no deal. Um, now there is this proposal, um, and I was looking at Breitbart a little bit earlier, and it sounded like um, the folks at Breitbart were not happy. Um, Ted Cruz uh, was Amnesty Amnesty Don. Don. Amnesty Don. Don's Amnesty Bonanza is what it says now. 1.8 million illegal immigrants would get citizenship, 25 billion for the uh, border wall. And it's not actually a border wall now. It's some sort of border stratagem. Um, But this is definitely not money from Mexico. This is U.S. taxpayers paying $25 million for some sort of border contraption. Um, And he's also (laughs) asking asking for an end to chain migration, an end to the visa lottery, and no more e-ver. And I'm getting all of that so from the uh, wait a right second. Headline. Well, he's not. Uh, no, I, it seems like Stephen Miller is kind of. In fact, Steve, the reporting is that the, Stephen Miller got like an earful of just <clears throat> vitriol from uh, his uh, anti-immigration activist kind of networks, the uh, yeah. Center for in- Immigration Studies and such. And I would imagine that what happens in negotiations, because the early kind of uh, reaction to this from the dreamer people and from uh, immigration activists is like, whatever white supremacist, you're burning, Every, a, you're burning is, a cross in my lawn. Yeah, everyone Fuck is pissed off. off. And, and that is literally off. a quote that I've no, no, seen no, from no, someone yeah, I'm not really on being, background. I'm not yeah. exaggerating uh, that at all. Um, they the, said it's a, a legislative cross burning. The immigration hardliners are upset. They're not using quite that colorful language. Tom Cotton is in favor of it. Um, and some other people, I, I don't know if they've uh, bought off... Um, the uh, the Center for Immigration Studies or the, or the other uh, people yet here, which will be interesting to see. But um, he's not going to get a change to family migration, I don't think. I mean, that, yeah. that's that's the thing that you sacrifice. The visa lottery system, which only affects 50,000 people or so, that's a pretty easy thing for Democrats to sacrifice. Um, and it, it's a it's, it's a, not been terribly popular either. It's not a hugely popular thing. And, and, I mean, and DACA, and, for instance, is a completely different animal. And, and what's great is that the visa lottery system, uh, Trump hates it because it's called the visa lottery system. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's seriously, I mean, it sounds like, you know, it's, it's a lottery and anyone can get it. Even people with beards and turbans and stuff. And that's bad. And we don't want, we don't do <laughs> Could that. Could you imagine by the way, if that was Al Qaeda's strategy, like we're just going to play the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe we get one. If we don't no attack, maybe we get one. Not like just having some psychopath who got back from Syria and has a Danish passport come and go on holiday without a visa in New York. I mean, that's the easiest thing to do. I mean, I don't understand why these, but the, the incredible thing about this is, is Stephen Miller, um, who, by the way, if you want to sideline Stephen Miller, you do the same thing you do with Ben and put him on the cover of Time magazine, put him on the cover of everything. Say he's Trump's brain. Trump will lose his, uh, completely lose his mind and actually said so about Ben and was like, no, he didn't save me in, you know, when he took over the campaign. And I guess you it was August. Maggie Haberman and the Times doing battle. Yeah, no, I know. No, they're exactly right. Like, Exactly. I mean, there were lines in there that were like, you know that this is being written. Exactly. 
yeah. sort of get under Trump's skin. Exactly. And, it, and he reads this stuff, or someone reads it aloud to him. And clearly, <laughs> it's pictogram to it, along with like pictures in, of women in Afghanistan in trousers in the 1970s, uh, which, you know, <laughs> do you remember this? He was like making policy based on, you know, the, 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 am I the only oh, one who no. remembers this? Remember no, Anthony no. Fisher probably remembers it. That, that l- much, like, much like the Syria um, 75 Tomahawk missiles, which was showing pictures of, uh, of babies that were killed in a, in a sarin gas attack, there was a story, and I think it might have been in the Times. Yeah, right, that's, that's from earlier this year. There, yeah. was, there was a well, story, I think year. it was in the Times. There was one about Afghanistan when they you know, sent uh, you know, 4,000 or so troops that, that annoyed people at Breitbart and, and the kind of you know, America first crowd on foreign policy. That that he was shown photographs of of um, Kabul in the seventies when it was like on the opium trail and oh people God, used to wear trousers and uh, you know smart outfits. Yeah, chicks in short skirts. Yeah, I mean, and that was like, gotta get back to that. Let's let's send some troops over there and make it into like Vegas again. Wow. Is that all right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I right about that, or can we have to cut that out later? So that's all you have to. How would you have made that up? Kind so of how Anthony remembers if, it. All right, if, I gotta check. If Barry that. Weiss wants to get to the heart of Donald Trump and enact her evil neoconservative agenda. Just show the 1973 pictures of Iran, right? We, we may already be, be making progress towards that. It, it looks like there's there's Trust what? Well, not <laughs> regime change in Iran, but a, a more a robust foreign policy out of the Trump administration. Um, so we've got the immigration stuff. Um, the the truth is that we've just seen this hit. Um, I don't know that anyone has really had time to fully digest this. It seems like everyone is pissed off. Ted Cruz is screaming amnesty, amnesty, amnesty. Um, There are dreamers who are saying we will totally not accept this deal um, because it comes at the expense of other immigrants. One of the major sticking points, um, and this does seem like a really bizarre place to draw a, a bright red line, is the Trump administration seems to have designed this so that dreamers have the capacity to potentially get citizenship after 10 or 15 years if they're good. Um, i.e. they don't have any sort of criminal record, um, but their parents, not so much. Um, so they get thrown into the uh, deportation list. This also includes some sort of fast track deportation um, procedures that the Trump administration wants. Um, it seems unlikely that this thing in this incarnation will pass, but at a minimum, you have a document, yeah. I guess, that says this, although there have been members of the White House, of the administration, who've been saying pretty much this for weeks now. Yeah. Um, it's just that the president has said 100,000 different things about what he will accept. He's gone so far as to say, any bill you send me, I will sign. That was Those exact that, I mean, that's essentially, you know, it's whoever the last person talked to him is the one who controls American foreign policy or American domestic policy. Yeah. But the incredible thing about this is to, to watch um, the Breitbart people go into these conniptions about it and say, you know, sell out Dawn and Amnesty Dawn and, and all this stuff is that prior to him actually taking office and between him being elected and, and you know, January 20th of, of last year, you saw this stuff about how much of a great negotiator he was, right? I mean, the one thing I'll say, actually, we didn't keep in the in the cut was Ann Coulter telling me that that Donald Trump is the worst negotiator she's ever seen and went into this great, very funny riff about how bad of a negotiator. It's it's absolutely true. Uh, No, just he's bad at it. (laughs) Just like he doesn't like, you know, I mean, some people are good at being agents and some people are not good at being agents. He's not one of them. All the reporting, you know, about him was that he was that that sort of, you know, the art of the deal was his brand. But in yeah. fact, like the deals he got was just stiffing people and not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, that, and that, it's a very different thing as, again, I, I feel like I, you know, for people who actually listen to all of the Fifth Column podcast, repeat myself on this. 
is that um, it's a very different thing in the real estate world where you can actually crush somebody and dig your heel into their, their corpse and then it's fine and you walk away. You can't do that when you need to deal with you know China again on a different issue. You can't crush people and he's very bad at making deals. But the incredible thing is what do you believe that Donald Trump should do in a situation where Congress has the composition that it has right now? You do have to make a deal. And anytime he tries to make some sort of deal as you see today, and this is again, not a deal, but this is a proposed deal. And, you know, there's, there's, everyone's got the vapors over at Breitbart. You have to make some sort of deal. What do you give the people on the other side? That is what deal making is people. You can't just, you know, steamroll these people and say, we're going to have the Stephen Miller agenda because the man lost the popular vote and he won by this fraction and he has this fantastically low approval rating. So he can just, you know, drive a freight train through Washington. No, he's got to make some sort of deal. What is that? deal. And he's making deals, incidentally, not with Democrats, but Democrats and Republicans. I don't know why this was so hard for mostly my liberal friends to understand was that, you know, the second he was elected, it was going to be chaos. Both houses of Congress, Supreme Court picks, the the executive, they're going to drive that freight train through Washington, D.C., and it's going to be remade in Trump's image. Nobody thought for a second that there were some sort of gradations between Republicans that didn't like this stuff. Because when you tell yourself for so many years that there are not only no differences between the parties themselves, Mm -hmm. which is a kind of Chomsky-eyed line, that within those parties, there are definitely no disagreements at all. And so he's going to have this incredibly robust year in which every bit of legislation and every whim that he, he he's had during the campaign will be law by the end of the year. That has not been true with the exception of the tax bill. That is it. The guy has to make a deal in some way. So what is Breitbart going to be pleased with? No, I mean, the, the, the area of politics, actual politics, partisan politics on the Hill versus what it is to sit on your ass and run a fucking website that, you know, is this you know, m- maniac website that is that is, you know, the mouthpiece for Donald Trump. But when the, when they're puppeteering him and, and the puppets actually not responding and they start you know having these conniption fits is like, guys, this is not how politics works. I know how ideology works. You're ideologues, but you don't know anything about politics. And Trump doesn't either. But he's being taught by people in his administration that one does have to make some sort of deal if one is going to get anything done. I don't know why this is surprising. And, and he wants to do that this year. I mean, this is the. The, this he cares year, about achievement. This year is the pivot to making an immigration deal, making um, actually something happen with the Iran sanctions or forcing Congress to do something with Iran sanctions uh, and passing something with infrastructure. But I want to take the moderator's privilege here, not being the moderator. Hmm. Um, Michael was just talking about kind of uh, different factions within the Republican Party. I, rec- I realize I don't really know, Barry Weiss, where you come from in this world. In terms of your ideological profile, how would you describe it? And then maybe uh, a way of kind of uh, jail. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to say it like I don't want to leave with it because yeah. I mean, if I can give a, a, a very, very, very brief background, is that I've yeah. known Barry for a long time. Um, she was my editor for a long time. She's a tough editor. She's a great editor. Um, I don't know. Barry's politics other than the fact that she's a Jew. Um, And the reason I don't feel, and by the way, don't fucking cut that out of context and put it on YouTube or anything because Barry said it herself. I'm just- Save, cut, paste. (laughs) I'm just saying what she said. Uh, You're a Zionist. You're a liberal. Yes. In many ways. Um, You do not have any patience for people who have feelings and not thoughts. 
Um, you're you're like a you're truth. you're uh, you're an old kind of alcove two liberal, right? I love you for that reference. There you go. Every, everybody, everybody on I'm on arguing the world right now. Oh, that's right. 1999, 98, something. A great uh, a documentary about the New York intellectuals and the sort of fight between the Trotskyites and, and the Stalinists. Yeah, huh, yeah. Daniel at Bell College. at City College. Is it Daniel <laughs> Bell is in it? Uh, who, it's Nathan Glazer. Nathan Glazer, who had an interesting idiot. Uh, yeah, Irving Kristol. Yeah. So where does so now place yourself in no, Trump? No, in Trump world. <laughs> oh, in Trump world, I'm deeply never Trump. Left the Wall Street Journal over my never Trumpness. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Are no, you okay sure, talking about yeah, that? Yeah. Because there were there was a bit of a flight from the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, you know, there was some voluntary. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know what to call it. I mean, it was who was the one who was the one leading leading that charge? Yeah, Yeah, set set some context there. And before and before you do, I should mention that this is uh, we. I don't know where we are in this release because I don't know when we're going to stop. We may never stop. Um, But there is also some breaking news. Apparently, there was a breaking news about a a story in the New York Times uh, that implies that Mr. Donald Trump was going to fire Mueller. Um, and then decided to pull back uh, because there was uh, some folks threatening to quit their job. Uh, we will kind of sort of talk about that a little bit later. We knew that, like Ray was, or what? Yeah, we'll, we'll come. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. We'll but come the back New York to that. Times. But, where, I, but, but no. I just wanted to put that. Barry, I wanted to put that out there. Barry and, just and left the office of the New York Times to walk a few blocks over here, yeah. and right now on the homepage, <laughs> it says breaking news: Trump ordered Mueller fired ordered. last June. So we'll get to La- that in a second. Uh, last June. And when Barry explains this, it'll give you time to read it. <laughs> yeah. So we're, but we'll go. We'll go along with that later. So Wall Street Journal, the motto of the journal editorial page forever was, you know, free people, free market. And, you know, that was the Robert Bartley model. And it allowed for actually a pretty big tent, because if you agreed with that broadly, like me, like I did, you were comfortable there. And we basically never editorialized on social issues. And so it allowed, you know, there there was a pretty broad range on issues like abortion or gay marriage. And it was a very, very pro-immigration editorial page. Always. It still is. That's one thing where they've been, thankfully, had some integrity. Um, Oh, Oh, snap. Yeah, that was. was, (laughs) That's fine. We encourage that. Yeah. So, I mean, basically what happened was, you know, as it became clear that Trump was going to, and at this point I was on the book review and sort of a little bit had plateaued and thinking, you know, like, do I want to be, I'm not sort of a fundamental, fundamentally literary person. Mm. I, I like reading and I mm. like books, but, um, you know, I like working with you on a lot of book reviews, but I sort yes. of am a political person. And especially during the, the campaign was just like, this is like the craziest thing in the world. I sort of want to be back in the game. And I, you know, I'd never had trouble getting my op-eds into the paper immediately. And I also read unsigned editorials. And all of a sudden I was being told that I didn't, you know, have the standing to write about these things or that they were too anti-Trump or that they were too critical of our readers. There was a real concern of not wanting to isolate our readers who were sympathetic to Trump. Um, and so- But you were told expressly that something that you wrote at one time was too anti-Trump. Several things. Really? Several things, yes. And that came down, and and Barry Weiss, our guest, my friend, my old comrade, you have to name names, was it, was, was it, was it, I mean, it must have been coming from Paul Jago, right? It was, it was the whole... That's a yes. <laughs> as a politician. <laughs> it, was just, it honestly did, like, I really mean this, it, it was heartbreaking for me to see people who I thought that we sort of shared fundamental values making peace with a candidate who, 
I mean, just from the most basic perspective, ran a campaign on denigrating and demonizing the weakest people in our culture. Oh, who like, basically who didn't share those values. Yes. I mean, it was. Oh, oh I mean, yes. And especially, yeah. frankly, the religious Christians I worked with. You know, I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that they could essentially justify holding their nose and voting for this guy for a tax cut, you know, mm. and sort of selling every every other value down the river. Mm. Um, and it just became sort of untenable for me. So so what was the the exodus like? I mean, I know there are a number of so people. Sam House did a really big story about this recently. I think it was in GQ. Mm. It talks about lots of people, but he mentions um, a bunch of us. Look, and I know this is an era right now in which this is true of me and it's less true of Matt Welch. Uh, because he works at an ideological magazine where everything is fairly clear and people kind of come together in that little free beehive. Minds and free markets. Yeah, and and you're allowed to have uh, different opinions. Um, so I know. Well, there you go. It's a Norman Potterist joke <laughs> in there somewhere. But I. But can I ask you um, a question? And I and, and you can answer this as gingerly as you must. Is that what is it like now to go from? The Wall Street the Journal, we mean the most progressive person in the journal in a way, to yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, and um, not amongst the reporters, but amongst the editorial page and things like, and then to go to an organization in which I would say that you're a bit of an outlier, right? Is that fair? I mean, aside from the columnists, you know, obviously yeah. there's Brett, there's Ross, but among the op-ed editors, I've Definitely. I look that you didn't mention. I look that you didn't mention David Brooks. <laughs> so, but is it is it is it? And I know this is again. You don't have to answer this. You don't want because I mean this is your job, and 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 I don't want to put you in a spot here. But certainly not. No, but is it is it uncomfortable in any way? It is. It's uncomfortable in both regards. But I'm so I'm used to it. You know, like I I and frankly I I don't think of myself as a contrarian, but I think I do thrive a little bit going when i see when i see people going in one particular direction my proclivity is sort of to go in the opposite or at least ask stand back and ask myself why are they all going in that direction so you would have dated heidegger <laughs> <laughs> that's you're the hannah Arendt was like you know what he had a bad background but the, you know the way I'm going you the other direction here describe that i mean your situation at the wall street journal the situation in the new york times it it really does sound like you're kind of bouncing between poles I'm and we're we're through. well and, and the truth is it feels as though right now there is so much and it's not hyper partisanship per se but there is a real sort of strengthening of the tug of those poles and it is hard to be someone who doesn't reside at either at either end uh, of ex extremist stan. Mm -hmm. I don't, is that that's a no, thing? That's good, yeah. that's I just stole that from Talib. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thing. I mean, the thing I will say though that is really genuinely different about the Times under James Bennett, who's the editorial page editor, who was at the Atlantic for many years until Jeff Goldberg took over. He is deeply committed to genuine political and ideological diversity. So where are all the libertarians on the fucking page? <laughs> Word. I published some of you. Yeah, oh, you published no, Suderman. on there like every <laughs> yeah. fucking week. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. Suave. Yeah, Rico Suave. Rico Suave. Elizabeth Nolan Brown. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. No, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, I mean, I have to say that like in, in, in full credit to uh, Bennett because 
it's it hasn't been without getting a lot of stick for it too. A ton of stick. A lot. I mean, I remember that thing in the Intercept about you. People think that the New York Times op-ed page is their sort of safe space, and they no. are scandalized. I mean, the reaction to we recently ran a whole page of letters from Trump supporters, which yeah, I thought was yeah. great. Was that your idea? It was not my idea. No. But frankly, like, it's very, very hard to get pro-Trump, smart pro-Trump yeah. op-ed writers. It just is. There aren't that many of them. It's hard to get them on camera, too. Yeah, so... Well, there, there aren't that many of them, and there aren't many people who are willing to admit it. There aren't and, that many who are willing to admit it, and frankly, Trumpism is not a coherent ideology. True. It's, so it's very, I mean, it's like they can be a the, mouthpiece for whatever Trump. But there's someone out there like they, they're voting for him. They've, right. they've voted for him. There's like, some institutional yes, support. And I thought that running that page was brilliant. And yeah. to see, and we all stood behind it. And I think everyone that I work with was really proud of it. And that, I, you know, that was deeply sort of a Bennett sort of move. I was amazed to see how many people were just like outraged by the notion of this. And it's just like, do you understand what an op-ed page is meant to do? The the ownership thing is pretty interesting with the Times editorial page. I, I experienced this once when at Newsweek, when Neil Ferguson wrote a cover story that was um, an anti-Obama cover story, basically, in mm-hmm. 2012. Mm-hmm. And he got a couple of minor things wrong. I, You know, people freaked out. Internally, people freaked out. The articles about this stuff online were crazy. Neil Ferguson, how could you fucking publish this stuff, etc. And I realized something pretty basic, is that had this piece been the cover story in National Review, nobody would have cared. Exactly. And the it was things like, are, mm-hmm. you don't, this Sorry. is not yours. It's a public works project. This is like the MTA. This is for us. And Newsweek is something that we expect to have a particular political slant to it. And the, the, the sort of vandals are inside the temple and you shouldn't allow this here. If he wrote the exact same thing with the same factual errors and there were a couple of factual errors and I, I seem to remember that nobody would have cared I mean there's factual errors in every issue of the American Prospect National Review I imagine and people lost their mind because they said you know this is not allowed here I I think that's exactly right and one thing that I also find interesting is that all right we get like a you know a settler Israeli political leader like a Naftali Bennett people are like okay whatever I understand they have to have that every once in a while what threatens these people the most is when they have people like Thomas Chatterton Williams criticizing ta Coates mm. or when they have a John McCorder, when they have people that are sort of making a really strong, articulate, calm, reasonable, liberal case. You named two black guys and then you said articulate. I just yeah. want to flag that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clean was yeah. just saying, clean was just saying, <laughs> fired. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that enrages them. I mean, the reaction to this piece by Thomas Chatterton Williams that I published. Phenomenal. Was that you? Yeah. So good. You like that? Yeah. Good. Um, it's cra- that it's was, catnip to Camille. I mean, it's just... It's scary. Yeah. I mean, the reaction to that, though, was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think I might have even spoken to him about it because I, I communicated with him about a previous piece that he had written because he was he was attacked for having reviewed uh, Coates' book in the in the Washington the... Post and then written about it again, I think, in the LRB. Uh-huh. And he wrote a, a, a much more negative piece. 
And I sent him a message because I don't know, for some reason we're friends on Facebook. And I sent him a message and he was like, it is crazy. It's insane. The reaction that I'm getting. Here. I mean, he and, was know. called a rate for that piece. He was called a race trader. I was his white master. He was skinning and grinning. I had never heard that phrase and shucking and jiving like it was crazy. And this was coming from Camille, don't people write that fucking very emails like that. <laughs> I was just you forwarding the ones that they send to me every yeah. week. This is yeah, yeah. So, what you so substitute Camille with for, yeah. for Thomas. Uh, no, it's great. Chatterton Williams, yeah. No, I mean, that's the expectation is that I think the the, the page is, has gotten pretty interesting. And there's a lot of, I mean, I I, so. I'm not going to uh, put you on the rack for the Soviet shit that you guys have published. But God, I, yeah, she just. No comment. No comment. Finger over the mouth. I can see it. That's why we got to do this as a video <laughs> sometimes so you can see Barry's face when I, when I we confront will. that issue. We will. But, I, I want to ask something, though. And this is this is my own um, fetish, because the most unpopular view that I have is is not actually my perspective that Tom. Easy Coates is not that great um, and less than a genius. Um, it's that Donald Trump is something less than a, a, a vehement racist who ought to be loathed. Mm. Um, and in feeling that way, part of it is also the sensibility that I have that most of the people who support him share that belief. They don't think he's a racist and they believe that it is profoundly overstated and that oftentimes things are taken out of context. And I wonder, as you were describing, mm. you know, sort of the compromise that people are making when they decide, you know, I'm going to vote for this guy. I'm going to vote for him in your in your imagination, at least the way you were describing it. They're going to vote for him despite his awfulness. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's certainly true of the Trump voters. I know. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. I wonder if it's it's at least allowable that there is some percentage of the population says that's that's bullshit. Like that, that stuff about him being a racist. That's not what he said. Only because I'm not an obsessive listener of the fifth column. Mm -hmm. Given that read, how do you understand, for example, the comments he made after Charlottesville? Yeah, I, I don't want to rehash the entire thing. Yeah, just um, but I'll, the, I'll say this. The headline like the, version. The initial the initial statement that he made at Charlottesville, if we are to read the entire thing, and if we were going to listen to, if I gave that speech, you would allow the thing where I say there are good people on both sides. As long as I've also said we reject hate and we reject bigotry and that's not who we are. He said all of those things. The fact that everyone zeroed in on the both sides is because of the meta narrative. And that's what makes it easy for me to say uh, racists don't go to the African-American History Museum. They don't rhapsodize about Martin Luther King Jr. He is not woke. He is less than he is something less than woke. He is not eloquent. He always gets everything wrong um, and he doesn't know how to talk about race um, or various other topics in the sophisticated way that you're supposed to in order to signal that you're a good person. He's crude and he's awful. Um, but the notion that he is a deplorable racist and that he's using dog whistles in order to get voters, I just I don't think it's credible because I don't think that most Americans actually respond to dog whistles. Um, mm. I, I think this is a this is a bit of a contrivance. The truth is that most Americans are 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 find racism revolting. Even the ones who have retrograde views on any number of other things, they all like Martin Luther King. 
like the, the, I saw some public opinion poll that was floating around and it was like opinions of Martin Luther King in the 1960s versus opinions of Martin Luther King in 2018. And one was at like 30% and the other is 90, 98%. Like same where, where are those for, 2%? Same is true for Jackie Robinson and I mean, a bunch of other people. I in, wanna, in, I wanna, interracial I wanna, marriage, all those other things. I want to ask a follow-up question to Moynihan because uh, in many ways, one of the most interesting parts of your documentary was the Frank Luntz bit. Much more interesting, and I was trying to say this back when we were having technical difficulties and, and not recording, that I've seen Frank they, Luntz. They weren't going to know that. I was going to stitch it together so what? seamlessly. <laughs> it's fun. Um, I've seen Frank Luntz, including being one of the panelists. Like, I was, I was like, drafted. I'm, I'm one of the average people on the street. I'm like, yeah. I'm not. I'm like a journalist. Oh, what are you doing? Uh, and I was pulled in for something having to do with the California recall election, or Schwarzenegger back in the day. But um, I've, so I've seen Frank Luntz, as everyone has, who has watched too much media for a long time. That was the most interesting portrayal of a Frank Luntz focus group. And I saw you, I'm pretty sure, the next day. Yeah. In my neighborhood in Brooklyn. And you were still did, yes. like you had PTSD. I was from, reeling from it. Yeah. From, from yeah, yeah, that perspective. So Camille just said that mm. Trump's voters, he believes, Camille believes, uh, don't are not nearly as racist. And this is not racist. I mean, it's like it's it's too much of an oversimplification. So kind of like building backwards, Trump really can't be the racist deplorable because his voters can't be. You saw those people in that room. What do you think? Um, you know, <laughs> that's a tough one. I don't know. Uh, it was a tough one for a few reasons. I mean, we included one bit in that where a woman uh, used the word demographics, um, which I thought was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. And Frank stopped her mm -hmm. and she said, you know, well, but immigration, the, you know, it's changing the demographics. And Frank pressed her on it. And she said, well, you know, they want to turn all these people into Democrats. They think that the natural constituency for, uh, you know, immigrants of any stripe from anywhere will be Democrats. Mm -hmm. And Frank mm -hmm. interrupted her and said, well, that's not demography. That's not about demographics. She's not. And she froze. Yeah. And it's really funny because one of the things you see is that people, regardless of, you know, what part of the political spectrum they, they fall on, um, and, and, and on, it's, it, age has nothing to do with it now. Everyone's sort of trained in some sense these days to realize that when she was confronted with the word demographic, she froze in her tracks. And she said, whoa, whoa, whoa no, 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 hold on. That's not what I'm saying. But I do get the sense from these people that they don't like the changing nature of America. And is there a racial component to that? Absolutely. I don't think that I don't think that there's any yeah. denial of that. And I, I think it would be silly to deny it when they see. I mean, we talked about this in the last episode, the people that, you know, hem and haw and get flustered because they have to press two instead of one because one is in Spanish when they're calling some some helpline. Which almost never happens. Which, by the way, they should even I, I, I guess the Trump voter would be upset by the time they get through the English line they're talking to somebody in Mumbai. You know? <laughs> so there's a couple of layers there. My name is Steve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to completely speaking no, no, can Interject, I not? Interjecting. I'm not allowed to do accents anymore. Have you heard? Why? Why? They're killer. Well, I can do no, accents. Bernie's amazing. Pro pro provided it's Bernie. If it's somebody from India, I'm going to get in But trouble. did you hear that like Trump is, is doing accents with the Indian president? No. Oh, was he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, uh, this really? Came, I mean, oh, that's it, amazing. It gets, it's even like sub Stormy Daniels. <laughs> wow. Apparently, uh, Modi. Uh, he's, yeah. He walks around and does like Modi uh, impersonations on staff. And I, my, Where did you read the, this? The only question that How one should ask this? about that. This was in Man. Star? Yeah. yeah. The only question <laughs> one should ask about that is, is it a good impression? That's well, all I see, care about. What I reacted, and I'm surprised that you don't remember uh, Moynihan, yeah. is that I immediately said, my 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 God, look, good thing that Moynihan's not present. Yeah, well. 
I, 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 I watched The Party a few weeks ago and realized that that movie could not be made in 2018. <laughs> Trump clearly he hasn't seen the problem with Apu. Yeah. No, oh, yes. He I hasn't. I, I was saw just the gonna, ad for it in the subway. But, I was just going to mention me that. Me too. But um, uh, yeah, nobody saw the movie. Everyone saw the ad. Uh, which hey, is that a failure ouch. of advertising? Or, ouch. Um, but no, I mean, these people are obviously, and again, what complicates it is that when I, I've talked to a lot, a lot of Trump voters over the past year, and about 98% of it didn't make it to any cut of something we were doing, because these are short pieces and you have to kind of be, you know, the economy of time on, on camera is like, you know, you get a, a sentence from somebody. Usually the long discussions are more interesting, but there's no place for them. And most of the people that I talk to, and again, this, the more interesting thing is, you know, for instance, black Trump voters. Uh, I talked to a bunch, as I mentioned at the top of the show, in Indiana, and they're worried about this, too. And they're like, well, I don't want, you know, Spanish and this. And it's like I, they feel that what they grew up with is going to change. There's an instinct about my world is changing uh -huh. that might be racial and it might not be. Right. There's but there's two elements to this. You can racialize it for sure. But but there is, you know, nostalgia is a poisonous drug. And there, I mean, you want to be nostalgic for times that were awful. Look at this city that we live in. How many people that have you talked to in this city, young people in particular, that say, God, I really wish it was like the 80s in New York when there was a downtown art scene and it was cool and there's graffiti in the subway. Motherfucker, you do not want to live in that New York because <laughs> everyone was getting murdered all the so, time uh, and there were prostitutes everywhere and there was Lou people Reed being stabbed. would just be no, killing you I, in the I, face. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, a great example of that is Lou Reed's song Street Hassle. Oh, the song Street Hassle, which is about somebody doing drugs in a place now. and just, yeah, I know. Subway. Sorry. You, you gotta, you gotta fuck and Kanye pin a picture of Kanye <laughs> literally on your lapel. You are out of this conversation. Oh my God, I didn't notice that. It's true. Jesus. But, yeah, it's but true. that nostalgia sweater lapel. You sweater lost lapel. me. I'm so just become one of your Twitter trolls. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but let me just go past the Lou Reed thing. Listen to Street Hell's a great song. And it actually at the end of it, at That's, about nine minutes in, has Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Um, but <laughs> James that goes to be yeah, born to run. And he does a born to run uh, reference. But that said. I sorry, I just blew out your ear. Mm -hmm. uh, do you want me to turn your? We can cut this out in a second. That's fine. Turn it down a little. Which? Uh, let me just make sure. I cut this Wait, down is that? That's you. Yeah, that's that's sorry. good. I, yep. Better. Better. Yes. Go ahead. But there is. I mean, there is this sense of poison. I, I always think nostalgia is poisonous. I mean, mm. people that 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 romanticize places that they haven't been, times that they never lived in, and people that romanticize those times that they had lived in. You know, it's not better to live in America in 1955. Now, if you say something like that on Twitter, you're going to get a bunch of people say, we'll talk about segregation, they'll talk about Jim Crow, mm -hmm. they'll talk about sort of, but just in the broader in the sense broader than sense. that, sure. is that we were a poorer nation, uh -huh. we had less choice, there was not the education that, I mean, the number of people who go to college now, et cetera. So I think that there's a lot of people that are wistful when they, 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 they that Trump spoke to that. And people that legitimately, I'm not saying whether this is right or wrong, but people told me that that was, they wanted that pass where there were factories. Think that's so. why in Indiana it was so resonant. That's, that's sort of the cruelty of his lies. That's the cruelty of his lies. These jobs are not coming back. Sure. He cannot, as president, it's... prevent them from going overseas, despite the fact that he said when somebody, something in Michigan that was closing, some news story. And during the campaign, he said, when I'm president, that's not going to happen. Yeah. How? Right. How? Yeah. Yeah. The, the presidency does not have the power to prevent companies from freely 
moving their businesses to other, you know, I in mean, more well, I mean, trying with the tariffs, but that's, yeah, that's yes, exactly but right. You can try. You can, you can try. Yeah. And you see new tariffs on things in South Korea now. LG washers and dryers insane. are now going up 200 fucking dollars because of some idiotic, you know, anti-trade idea. But that was the thing for me was that talking to these people and it was like sort of multiracial was that this wistfulness for a past that might not it might not have existed at the time and definitely is not going to exist in the future. I think that's that's part of the part of the point that I've been trying to make about this for some time, that the the notion of I think I was talking to someone online uh, probably uh, a fan of the of the podcast actually and they were saying something about nativism and I used the word nationalism and he was saying well I mean there's a difference between the two things sort of and not really in the United States um the, like what is nationalism this common shared identity that all of these natives people who are are here already like happen to feel the fact that in South Africa, you can have native South Africans who loathe Zimbabweans and will actually like potentially kill these people who are coming in from across the border to take our jobs. It, that kind of angst is fairly common and it's something we see all over the place. And it's certainly yeah. a component of what is happening in Europe right now, um, as is the sort of weird creation of these two extreme poles on the left and the right, where anyone who isn't conforming to our ideas, anyone who doesn't support our efforts to keep out the outsiders and to protect our jobs and to fight the banksters and the globalists. Mm -hmm. It is it is there's something really crazy about the fact that the president, the super protectionist president who is supposed to be a racist, who's a Republican and Bernie Sanders, who in a lot of ways is, in fact, Donald Trump, who also hates the globalist banksters. That is the 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 animating force, it seems to me, yes. of the Trump administration and not white nationalism or white supremacy or the stuff. Sanders said though. to me, I love Trump's rhetoric. He's just a liar. That's basically yeah. the, wow. the, the, what he said to me about about the trade issues. Chuck Schumer said I talked to Chuck, Chuck Schumer what a month, three weeks ago. And he said essentially the same thing to me is that, you know, he said I was one of the Democrats. He reminded me of this. I didn't remember this, that opposed NAFTA. And, mm. you know, I, he That's said right. to Bill Clinton, I hate NAFTA. But to your point, one of the things about you know, American exceptionalism, not in the intellectual sense, not in the sort of like, you know, Donald Robert Kagan sense, but just in the way that most Americans feel about themselves and feel about this country. And particularly the way sort of like elite, to use that phrase that is thrown around and is essentially flabby and meaningless, intellectuals think is to Camille's point about Zimbabweans and South Africans. We always think there's a uniqueness to the way that we hate and the uniqueness to the way that we loathe other people and the uniqueness to the way that we do politics. If you think that, you know, racism is unique to America, if you think protectionism and protecting jobs from X country is unique to America, go anywhere. Every fucking time there's some scumbag like Donald Trump that becomes president. You say, I'm going to move to France. Motherfucker, you better look at <laughs> politics and understand what is happening in France and understanding what is happening in Hungary and the Czech Republic, who now has its own Donald Trump. And as, as I see Matt, who loves the Czech Republic more than anybody outside of the Czech Republic, as Bekarovka and his in his veins is kind of nodding his head and shaking his head at the same time. Yeah, but all of that can be true. And don't you also see that there's something 
insidious happening. For sure. I, I, mean, I No, I don't deny Chelsea that. Chelsea Manning and Joe Arpaio are yeah. running for Senate in this country. Yes, of sure. Course. Yeah. You know, and, and Ron Johnson <laughs> was just talking about how the FBI a contains society. a secret society, <laughs> yeah. well, which was repeated on Fox News for, endlessly endless. for the past 48 hours. Uh-huh. And there's going to be no reckoning about that. No. I mean, that terrifies me. Th- there's some, but there's a right. conspiracy minded. Is that new? Tr- is that new? It, I mean, talk I, about I well, Richard, Richard, Richard Hofstetter would not say. Well, right. I mean, talk. No, but you to talk about the Richard Hofstetter was 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 pointing at the fringes and from the center and saying that the fringes are dangerous and we can't let them come into the center. But and there's now we have, but the center's not holding. There but, is there is but, no but, center, can we, but there's also the 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 paranoid yeah. uh, style in American politics, and there's a lot of problems with the Hofstetter essay to begin with. Mm-hmm. Is in the White House. But there were times when we ought to have been paranoid and were insufficiently paranoid. I, I find that the the extreme reaction to Donald Trump that has people on the left, progressives who were upset, they were outraged when they discovered that the Bush administration was engaging in warrantless surveillance, um, that those same people now are cheering full-throatedly for the intelligence community, defending the honor of all of these agencies that, I mean, somebody has to push back a little bit. Is it possible that there are rogue elements of the intelligence community that are doing things that threaten the civil liberties of Americans? Sure. You 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 bet. They sure. certainly done it in the past. There is something to be said for a healthy skepticism and there's something to be feared from a populace that finds itself essentially coming to this conclusion that well, no, things were things were OK before they were they were all great before. It was all good just a week ago. It, it wasn't all good. There was plenty of things that are wrong. There are different things that are wrong. There are perhaps things that are are more wrong in a way that is more public and more dramatic. But I mean, it's not as though most of the 1990s were a cakewalk. I think we think about the 90s and we think about the last several years of that decade. First of all, the 90s were super rad. That's <laughs> not even. Yeah. yeah. Not there. for Monica. Yeah. Lewinsky. Waco. Sure. It, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean domestic <laughs> terrorism, et cetera. That has sure. been the most interesting op-ed, by the way. Speak, speaking of ridiculous uh, nostalgia, Matt on the 90s. <laughs> That's his own Gimlet podcast. Sorry, Matt. Go, go. No, I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry that we ended civil wars in, you know, uh, scores of countries. Yeah, the end of freedom exploded in a way that we have never seen before or since. Uh, no, I mean, I, I get your point of like, yeah, of course, uh, it, it, it's good to have people skeptical of the surveillance state. I just want those people and that skepticism to not be. Lou Dobbs being skeptical yes. about the investigation into the sitting president. We should talk about said Woke investigation. Fucking Lou Dobbs uh, <laughs> is a sight with his like fucking orange brown hair, which changes uh-huh. in hue with yeah, every yeah, yeah. sneeze. Uh, is something There's I jowls that are full of prizes for the next kid who hits it with the baseball bat. <laughs> we, we, it's like a, he's like a is, pinata head. We're recording this on on we, Thursday? Thursday night. Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. So this is what Lou Dobbs said on Wednesday. And this is, uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, after we've already uh, discovered from ABC News that the uh, quote unquote secret society. <laughs> are you going to read it? It's a flirty text message. 
Yeah. This is how Lou Dobbs is an affair. Know, yeah, that's what it is. One flirty text message. Fox broadcast Fox is business. to like here's the Fox Business broadcast, but also you know. Uh, in, 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 uh, Wasn't Fox he your opening act at some point in the past, Matt Welch? My opening act. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Don't even start. Hey, you know what? It's Kennedy's uh, third birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Kennedy! Happy birthday! Happy yeah, birthday, baby! Show before too. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Lou Dobbs started his broadcast on Wednesday night with the following sentence. It may be time to declare war outright against the deep state. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Sorry. Uh, it was uh, me laughing. And clean out the rot in the upper levels of the FBI and the Justice Department. So, yeah, it's great, Camille, that fucking Lou Dobbs is. Can, 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 I, can I say that it's like there's one thing that. Um, some one big thing that my baggage has sort of shifted on hmm. and you know it's the, it was always i guess it was like they it was always attributed to john Maynard Keynes, but it was i think it was paul samuelson who said you know when the facts change i change my mind what do you do sir hmm. i i was and i remember reason did a thing a long time ago against you know these attack ads and and tea party and stuff it was it was just as bad you and you had a voiceover in that you're i think attack i did ads, 1800 you yeah were doing like the mm-hmm. john, did tea party voiceover no 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 God, no it's no. like uh, no. Thomas Jefferson is a hermaphroditic whore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, <laughs> so I, we'll drop the audio. I don't. I don't. Yeah, really good. I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that anymore. In the sense that it's always been this way. There is a very, very big change. A very big change of the mainstreaming of, of biz- bizarre ideas and of conspiratorial ideas and of, cause I think the difference is, mm-hmm. is, 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 is this. And I see Camille, vigorous head he, he looks I'm like, vigorously nodding. He, it's not, well, it's not Camille's vigorous vigorously nodding in the it's, other I'm direction. Squinting. Yeah, is that it's right? A, it's, it's a, a squint. squint and you look a like Black Gilbert Gottfried right now. <laughs> that's You're what like, I'm doing. Like, <laughs> I mean, I can't that's believe it. He's like looking at the. Uh, um, Where's the documentary about yeah. me? I, I mean, the, 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 yeah. that was amazing. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell! Go ahead. Uh, I, I, mean, I, I wasn't saying anything. I didn't say anything. Barry's taking a picture of you right now. Going, yeah. No, you can't. You can't have pictures like that out there. You're gonna ruin my reputation. But no, there is there is a a, a major difference where, uh, in the past, my I'll give you an example. My mother is a good example of this, um, or actually, people in my family in general. I'll just say my mother is that people in my family in general did not have ideology fifteen years ago. Uh-huh. They didn't. They weren't ideological. Uh-huh. And now, through the great advent of things like Facebook and all of these damn social media things that everyone feels they have to be on by osmosis. They're taking on these ideas and not thinking them through, but look, I see what you're doing and we can argue about this. I mean, they, they had an idea. They had an ideology. It was just different. It was, no, it, it, they were nationalists no, they, and, no, 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 and, they, and your mom and your mom, part of what part of her experience was Cointel pro and the Vietnam war. Dude, and various what, other. I'm, I'm just saying that that was my part of was her experience. Pamphlet? No, I'm yeah. saying I'm saying that she. My lived, mom was Fred Hampton. She lived. She Whoa, lived. Man. I'm saying she lived through an era where there were things like this happening. And the truth of the matter is that listen, I think the hysteria is a problem. Uh, we are in full agreement on that. Part of what I'm I'm pushing back against here is the sentiment that people should believe that these institutions are. Sort of pure and that they're right and virtuous I and that part of the problem that. is that there is the denigration of the office of the presidency and the denigration of the respect and admiration that people should have for the intelligence community. I think that that 
I'm fine for those things to be a little less well-respected, and I don't freak out as much as everyone else when it comes to the appraisal of where the American people are today. That doesn't mean that I think the paranoia is good. I think that the excessive amount of paranoia that exists today is having a deleterious effect on the polity. I, we agree in that I think. Well, here's, I mean, that here's the difference. I mean, if you take... Um, maybe Matt would remember this. I don't know if anybody else would. If you take the the quote unquote reporting of Ambrose Evans Pritchard in the 1990s, you remember him? Yeah. The Telegraph, who was Mena Airport, Clinton drug smuggling, death lists, et cetera. I mean, you see the <laughs> you see the first wheeze of this sure. of the Clinton death list, which somebody said, by the way, and we actually kept I don't even know about this. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll explain it very briefly. Is that uh, fifty three bodies? Uh, that that in the Frank Luntz thing, someone shouted at someone, another Trump supporter shouted mm-hmm. another Trump supporter that, well, you know, Clinton, the Clintons have actually killed people, mm-hmm. and this is an older guy who clearly had been deep in the weeds on this stuff. And you see, I mean, you just, you can't deny that, you know, the Uranium One story, which is utter horseshit. It's utter It's complete horseshit. horseshit. And you see it on Fox all the time. And the number of people that have said it to me, just average You see it in the pages of the journal. Yeah, of course. And you say like, let's investigate this stuff. But if it was editorial, but if it was yeah. just in the journal on the editorial page, it would reach a very small number of people who are ideologically committed to maybe a few people would pass over it and read it and say, that's interesting. But the number of people that have mentioned it to me, who I think 10 years ago, if it was out there, never would have heard of it and never would have been exercised. My by dad's it. mentioned sure. it to me. 10 times greater. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. Does he listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Dad. Yeah, Can I, we, we've been going for a while. Mean, There's no, he just like... is like, well, Bear, <laughs> what about blah? You know, it's like, it's really... Just because you describe yourself as like your politics is Jewish, I think if you're that, I'm like, I don't know. I don't. My dad's a conservative. It could, be, it could be. I don't know. What is he talking? Is he talking? Is he talking? My, my dad. Where it is. We've been going for a while. I, yeah. I, there's a couple of things that I still hoped we would do. We're I think it would be... peace. Well, that's what I'm saying. My dad is not a Borscht Belt comedian. Like, <laughs> sorry. Okay. Yes. Moving Why on. are you working for the it's Times? He's not 120 years old. Are completely ridiculous <laughs> well, on Israel. Well, speaking. Stop. Speaking Stop of Jackie Mason. Speaking of, I don't actually have a transition here. Um, you know, we were talking. We started off talking about the um, government shutdown, immigration stuff. Something else that happened over the weekend was the women's march. Um, and this is the second women's march. And I know that the first women's march sort of occurs in the in the shadow of the inauguration. Um, and it was a different political environment. The second women's march occurs at almost the one year anniversary of the Trump administration. I'm not entirely sure what that march from last week was about. Um, but it does seem to me that the Me Too moment. Yeah. Um, is which wouldn't have happened without the election. Yeah, Trump. very well integrated with the Women's March. And Mary, you wrote a piece, "The Limits of Believe All Women." I wonder if you can perhaps help to put some of these things into into context. And I'm talking to you about this because you have ovaries and I don't. <laughs> and my expectation is that you can illuminate these issues. You don't know what's me. under my pants right now. Well, that's true. <laughs> wow. And, you know. That's like the, the, like the, the cold right open. Now. Yeah. That's yeah. the cold Could change. Open. Yeah. Could yeah. change. I mean, yeah, I, I, flagged I thought that was an offer. So <laughs> not going to say anything else about it. But the presumption is there. No, I do think I just made an offhand comment that maybe only Matt heard about how, you know, I do... 
the day that the Harvey Weinstein story broke, I remember that we had an editorial meeting and I said something like, this wouldn't have happened without Donald Trump. And I was sort of laughed out of the room. Hmm. Now that's become sort of a normative talking point, which is that, you know, whether it's sort of displaced outrage at the fact that a sexual assaulter and a mis- an out and out misogynist, let's forget race, but I think we can for sure agree on that as the president. Um, I think that that really lit a fire under a lot of people's asses, both reporters and just women in the world mm-hmm. to say, you know, this is fucking outrageous. Um, so in that sense, like, I don't think I try and think about if Hillary were president, could this have happened? Well, no, it would have implicated her in the most horrible way. Are you sure? Hmm. I mean, that, the, the reason why I flinched when you said that was because Harvey I'm not. Wa- of course, I'm not sure because yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillary's not president. <laughs> no, but. but just like uh, it's an interesting thought experiment. And I don't mean to, to, to bust your chops about this, but it's it's more like Harvey Weinstein is such an ogre and the stories Weirdly enough, the like the potted plant is what sticks with people, right? Of course, right. You My know, very dear friend Lawrence Simone. Lawrence yeah. Simone, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. We, we've all we've all uh, done things with her, not involving potted plants. <laughs> oh, I, I was actually going to say, I actually haven't haven't done that. No, yeah. No, yeah. no, 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 no. She, I was I was on her uh, the show with, with <laughs> Matt. Matt is blushing <laughs> hard right now. Oh my God! I wish that this is all videotaped right now. Uh, uh, no, uh, that uh, I'm being scandalized. I'm the three men in this room at the moment. It's all good. I'm sorry. Uh, but no, like, like it was such a high level of 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 awfulness. No, 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 for sure. But right? would people have so, pursued like, that, that? It would would have broken through regardless. That would have been come... a resonance that, that that happened because of Trump. But like it was just so large. You're right. I, I mean, people were pursuing the Harvey Weinstein story for years, obviously. But would right. people have made sexual assault such a focus of their reporting. And slash, would it have taken off in the way that it had emotionally for people uh-huh. if Hillary were president? No, it's become a crusade. I mean, it's I think it's I the, don't know. I mean, yeah. it's just I, I think Are you mansplaining. <laughs> no, I'm agreeing with the woman in the room. Forcefully. Think, man. It's yeah. the opposite. Yeah. I'm telling you that you're wrong for disagreeing with her. <laughs> Believe all because women. Because I'm a woman. Hey, uh, we don't need man affirming. She can do it on her own. That's Thanks, true. Man. I know she can do it yeah, on her own. Yeah, That's why I'm not saying anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but continue, Barry. But uh, the thing that I think that's right. I mean, I, that the Harvey thing is that. Continue, Barry. Let me <laughs> talk. No, 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 actually yeah. talk. I hear my impression. Well, you got to. Do my dad again, please. You got to make the transition. I can't do it, you know. What I find amazing about all of it is that the number, I think the most interesting thing recently has been the backlash from second wave feminists, um, the Times uh, published the Daphne Merkin, Merkin. Mm-hmm. Merkin piece. Yeah, I edited um, that. Katha uh, Pollitt, who's uh, talked about this just today. It's actually, third wave, right? Like it's actually the third, yeah, yeah. second, third wave feminist. Uh, today, uh, I guess would be second wave. Uh, Jermaine Greer, who took unbelievable amount of shots at at uh, at uh, uh, the Me Too movement. And I think now, and the reason these, I think, older feminists are taking shots at it is that it has, it has become a very, very different politicized thing in the age of Trump. I mean, this is a kind of reactionary thing saying this is the world that we live in now. We live in a world in which the president of the United States is a misogynist and might be, I mean, they don't say might be, uh, like a sex criminal has committed sexual assault himself, um, paying off 
prostitutes or porn stars or whatever. And I think the moment is different. What I find strange about it is that, you know, for instance, when the judge in the Nasser uh, trial, and by the way, I just want to point out that Eli Lake had a very, very funny tweet when he said, what is the Nasser's guy? What's his first name? Larry. Larry. Mm. He said, Larry Nasser has now taken over from Gamal Abdul Nasser as the worst Nasser. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll to our, our uh, two-time, maybe three-time guest on the fifth call. I'm Eli two Lake times, for that. Two times. Two times. Um, that was very funny. Glad that you made a Nasser joke. <laughs> Only Eli, who has a Menachem Begin t-shirt, could <laughs> Uh, do that. But uh, when we saw that in this this uh, judge who denounced him in a way of like, I hope you get raped and this is your death sentence. And the people who responded to that and said, you know, that's really not appropriate on the bench is that there is a... Gramwood had such a good piece. It had a very good... Gramwood in the Atlantic had a very good piece about this. There was such a backlash against this that this has now become an issue. It's almost like conservatives in 2002 with terrorism hmm. is that if you had some nuanced ideas about this or whether torture was the efficacy of torture or the morality of torture was like, these are bad people. What the fuck are you doing don't offer any nuance to this these are these are guys from al-qaeda this is khalid sheikh muhammad for christ's sake and i'm seeing the other end of that that if you talk about somebody who is convicted of these heinous crimes mm -hmm. and this guy seems like that he should rot in hell for the rest of eternity is that and there's no doubt about that that if somebody is stepping you know maybe out of the bounds of sensible jurisprudence you're just being bum rushed in saying, how dare you say that he's a rapist? Well, yes, but let's keep, let's, let's just, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying rape is okay. And people like Barry and people like Andrew Sullivan or people like Daphne Merkin and others who have Catherine Deneuve recently, these people that go out in these limbs and say, hey, we all agree that this stuff is bad, but let's look at some of the complexities here are just getting bum rushed. And everyone I know who's talked about this issue to me privately, to a man and to a woman, liberals, because you know I live in New York City, have said, I don't really want to talk about this in public. How was it when you wrote that piece, Barry? Well, it's, 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 how, was, how was the reaction to it? What I th the thing I'm heartened by is I do think that the tide is shifting a little bit on this. Um, the reaction that I got to the most recent piece, the Aziz Ansari piece, which basically, um, well, I don't need to explain it to everyone. Yeah, everyone who listens knows about it. About right. It yeah. um, I got an unbelievable number of private calls and texts and emails from people saying, look, I don't want to tweet this publicly. I don't want to put it on Facebook. I'm a little scared to share it, but like, good on you. And like, fuck yeah, for taking that position. I mean, when you say that, we're talking like two people, no, five people, more. 20 people. Like 20. But like who who had that formulation of, I don't want to make this a public thing. Some of them don't say it that way. Right. Some of them do say, yeah, or yeah. In, in frankly, in private conversations that I have of, you know, it's like, it's like, it's sort of like this, you know, people take on like this whispering tone of like, I agree with you. I just don't want to <laughs> say it. It's really amazing. There's like a real sort of self-censorship on this issue because people, people, explain they, what they would happen be if you didn't self-censor. What, what do you think their worry is? 
that they're going to be treated, frankly, the way that people like me get treated. How did you deal with being treated? Give us an give us a kind of you know, and version. I hate getting down this road no, because no, like no, I but, love but, having this job and I I don't mind taking the heat. Look, and, I understand that. I mean, I'm terrible about it. I, I have a very thin skin to this stuff. But tell me, bitch. tell me what it. <laughs> tell me the worst kind of reaction that you got to this piece. To the Aziz piece or yeah. the other one? Or either of them. Hmm. I mean, you. I mean, we're talking about blue checkmark people on Twitter that are are mobbing you and 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 trolling you, right? Yeah, I mean, the worst is that you're an apologist for rape culture. Um, you don't care about women getting sexually assaulted and raped. I mean, I'm sure it's exactly the sort of stuff you get on race. Yeah, I mean, it also sounds a lot like the stuff that people who are Trump supporters who have not been generally regarded as avowed racists that they get when people discover that they voted for Donald Trump. The the reduction of everyone's beliefs to the worst possible interpretation um, of the worst possible person is has been universalized. Like that bludgeon is being used on everyone in every possible context. This is, I mean, this is what happened. What was the school? It's uh, Weinstein is the guy's name. You talked to him uh, for the Vice Brett, Show. Brett, 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 by, by the way, by the way him, uh, on that, I, I heard and, him say know, exactly the same thing. On that piece, the exact same thing happened to me. I had a happened a, to you. To you happened to me, no, it happened to me. In in in. Let me be more specific to what Barry's describing when she wrote a piece. Uh-huh. When she wrote a pieces about about Me Too and Aziz, is I got the first one was an email from a very well known feminist, an hmm. actual feminist, who is like that's her job. She writes about women's issues, and she said, "My only complaint about the piece that you did on Brett and Evergreen is that it wasn't longer." Jeez, and that and she didn't tweet it. Yeah, she has a big Twitter following. She didn't tweet it. Uh, a host on um, a major cable network who's not Fox uh, emailed me and said the same thing. Um, like that was a fantastic. And nobody. These are none, people with huge platforms. None of them tweeted it. The other thing is that there's gr- there's gradations of this. There's mm. the, they retweet it because they they're like this is great. They, they like it. They like it, which is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> and they send you a direct message yes. if they are scared yes. of talking about it. And the evergreen one, which I did not. I, did, I, I had there was no political message to it. No, I let everybody. I mean, you talk. didn't do anything. No, nope, I didn't do a thing. And I, yeah. it was on purpose. I don't want it. To, I want reaction phase. There was some reaction. There was some reaction phase, yeah. but I can't help that. <laughs> that. Like the woman with the like, you know. Oh my god. She had like a like a it's traffic degree, cone through her nose, and she was like, hair, yeah. "Can we please fire everybody?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just like, "Oh, okay." That was a that was a weird reaction phase, but that happens when I when I did that. But but to your point about Trump supporters I, on the. To keep bringing it back so people drive the numbers up and maybe I get a bonus on the special, there was a guy named John (laughs) Feltner Mm -hmm. who was a um, union guy, factory worker, and we have him in the special saying... He's got like a real southern draw, and he's like, "Man, yeah, yeah. I'm not a racist. Like, yep. People call me dumb and ignorant and all that stuff for voting for Donald Trump." He's like, "I just want to keep my damn job." Yeah, and he was completely honest about it. And I spent a lot of time with him, and he was like, "Look, I'm a single issue voter. If no one has ever spoken about this issue, no, no like they're talking about the middle class, middle class, middle. No one's talking about us guys who are losing their factory jobs because stuff's going overseas." He was the first one to do it. Him and Bernie, I would have voted for either of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I like I. I understand why he doesn't want to be pilloried as something like that. And I understand that, you know, I don't want to say anything about any of this stuff that's going on now. But everyone sotto voce that I know has said to me, I think it I, I swear to God, this is true. I think it is rare and shocking when someone comes to me and says, I think the way 
that the Me Too movement has actually evolved and acquitted itself is exactly right. No one has said that to me. And nobody that I know is like right of Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everyone thinks the same thing. But isn't it unbelievable how, I mean, it becomes like a brave thing to say the common sense position that everyone knows and says privately. There's something terrifying about that. Well, but I know. What just, is well, it? Let, let, let me say the one thing that isn't brave. You can't say this publicly, and I'm about to do so now because I've had 19 scotches. Do it. But if you are telling me a story about Harvey Weinstein after Harvey Weinstein is laying in a puddle of mud with arrows in his back and you're telling your story now, that isn't brave. I'm sorry, it isn't. And the reason it isn't brave, because it would have been brave to say it when it mattered and other women wouldn't have had to fucking experience it because you came out and blew it up. But there's so many people here that that, that held <sighs> their tongues because th- this was the business. The bravery in this is to go out and say, that I don't care about a $6 million payday, a half a million dollar payday. I don't care about my goddamn job because this man is brutalizing women and fucking destroying their lives and like sexually assaulting them. And we have to speak up. I don't think it is okay to pithily and hilariously say, oh, everyone knew. If everyone knew you are all fucking complicit, why were you silent? And it is not brave to be silent. It's the exact opposite of brave to be silent. It is absolutely the dictionary definition of complicity. And why were you complicit? Because, well, he controlled everything. Motherfucker, the most important thing here is the safety of women who are working with him, not your career or not anybody's career. That is something that it seems to me be basic, obvious, rational, but Saying it is probably a bad idea. Our friend Lauren Savon. Sweating. Uh, actually, yeah, sweating. <laughs> Shouldn't have really said that. awkward and uncomfortable. Shouldn't have said that. Um, no, it's... no, her pot of plant story came out at the at the moment when there had only been the first bit of reporting. That was a very important first bit of reporting. Sure. And it was huge and it was very well reported. But she was kind of a rando. She was like, hey, you know what? I was a TV reporter like in Long Island or God knows where. Yeah. He didn't know any of that. I told him that. And he did the pot of plant thing in the, in the in the basement restaurant, and but that was the first like outside confirmation. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like over. Lauren, by the way, is brilliant and funny and the greatest. Exactly yeah. right, and I, so I don't want to I don't want to like over fluff what she did, and that's the wrong fluff, word. <laughs> wrong word. Damn it! Keep that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but like that was. Like, I just stamped on a lot of eggshells, so you might as well do the same thing. <laughs> Everyone's apologizing for this show, by the way. I'm just saying that was helpful. That was helpful in that moment in terms of in terms of bravery. That's it. Goodbye. I don't know. I'm yeah. not that in. Yeah, no, know. go ahead. I just don't know if like the hierarchy of bravery is like a a thing, a hill to die on. Do you know what I mean? It's not a That's hill what to I would die. expect from a, a cisgender white woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hill to die on in the sense that certain people should be targeted for saying that they're brave or should deny their bravery or something. It's not that at all. It's that, you know, I am a, a little frustrated that so many people seem to know. That's become a talking point. We all know it. Everyone knew in Hollywood. And my my response to that is, why the fuck did nobody say anything? It's not that journalists... I'm sorry, but it's not that journalists weren't listening. The New York Times did a really, really amazing job as they reported uh, this. What's his face? Who? The the, the Fox News guy with the... the Would you want me to tell you about that story now that it's out? Yeah. Wait, 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 whose story? Eric, Eric Bowen. 
Yeah, let's hear it. Yo, I miss that. So there have been Bo- too many. Uh, uh, Eric Bowling was fired, um, and because he sent a dick pic to 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 somebody on the Fox News staff. Um, what did I mean? I have no, you know, I'm not involved in the story in any way other than I knew about it. So what did I do? I told um, three journalists, three media reporters, uh, none of whom, um, one of whom is quite famous, uh, none of whom did anything about it. Really? I have evidence of it. I have emails that I sent. I have a direct message that I sent. And at a convention at the RNC in Cleveland, I told a, a media reporter to his face. Wow. And it And they did nothing about it. So the difference between post Me Too and before, oh, I no, told somebody about this. I was not in a position to do anything about it at the time. Um, for a variety of reasons. And also, I'm just a bad reporter. Yeah. And these people actually have a huge platform, and I didn't. Um, yeah, that's, that's bullshit. I could have made a platform if I was decided to report it out. But I knew about this, and I thought that it should be out there. And I will show you after the show Don't. evidence that that's true. I'm convinced. And I and I and I'll tell you who I gave it to. Um, after, after you, the show. Yeah, after the show. Paul you might, you might be. It, it, <laughs> it, it was James Durant. <laughs> <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. It was. Yeah, it was Do you guys joke. feel as men that you're staying away from this issue? A hundred percent. Absolutely, not. 100%. Really? No. Yeah. I mean, we we talk about it here on the on the podcast, and me, I I touch like all hot pots. That's sort of my shtick. I mean, the only thing, <laughs> yeah. Or hot, 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 third degree burns. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I I think there's there's it's appropriate to to as a person who has the sort of intersectional cover that I do in my estimation to step on as many. Uh, sort of social landmines as possible um, because if it's bullshit, it's bullshit. And I don't care if you're trans or you're gay or you're the victim of some sort of trauma. If your perspective on this is wrong, if you're jeopardizing free speech or something else, then I'll take some liberties and and do my best to to try to get in the uh, in the way of that freight train. Yeah. We we've got to we got to get out of here soon. There's all sorts of developments in the friggin um Trump Russia investigation that I kind of wanted to talk about because I I do, it doesn't get old for me. Can we do a lightning round like yeah, collusion, yeah. not collusion? Is well, there anything to this? Yes. That's, well, that's, well, that's why you do a lightning round. Lightning yeah, round, like, that's yes, what I, no. That's what I want to ask here. Barry's that's what I want new ideas to the show. <laughs> Look, She's freshening so, up this old format. So Thank let's, you, we'll just do this. There, there's some reporting that apparently last year sometime the Donald Trump was threatening to fire Mueller. He was, it, it says he ordered him fired, but he didn't order him fired if Mueller didn't hear about it and whatever. But a top White House lawyer said, I will quit if you do it. And he didn't do it. So the news is that he wanted to and didn't. Um, that's but that news. doesn't matter. The news today. No, that's, no, that's news. Well, that well, I'm that's, saying that's, I'm saying it doesn't matter relative to the to the news of what is actually happening. What's actually transpiring right now is the investigation continues to roll on. Steve Bannon may get interviewed by the end of the month. Um, there are numerous people who have already had charges filed against them. Um, uh, Mike Flynn is apparently cooperating with this investigation. There are there's been already this week. Um, 
indications that Mueller wants to sit down with Donald Trump and talk to him. Um, Trump saying initially that he would be fine talking to him under oath and his lawyer <laughs> saying, you know, he just says shit sometimes. He doesn't mean it. He's not going to talk to you under oath. Um, and a lot of the reporting at this point is suggesting that Mueller is now finally focusing on this particular charge. Um, not collusion, uh, but obstruction of justice. And I, I wonder, you know, we've seen we've talked about this story a lot. There have been a number of revelations, a lot of breaking news. Most of the time, it's just Mueller wants to talk to somebody or did talk to somebody um, going around the room here. Collusion? No. Does anybody see evidence of collusion? No, no. But but when I hear Republicans complain about this, I laugh in their face because it's exactly mm -hmm. what they got in the Bill Clinton investigation. Mm. You know, you start with something, you end up somewhere else. But do you think that there's guys. collusion? No, absolutely not. Matt? And that that investigation was four years long, yeah, right. And it was about Whitewater to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, I think there is there's still possibility that there is conspiracy, right? Because conspiracy charge means that you knew someone did something illegal and you said to yourself, I'm going to profit from that in some way. But is there any indication of that in, in so far as you can tell from the reporting you've seen so far? There's the possibility of it, right? So I mean, like- um, what, what does that mean? That, that means if, in your mind, is it possible that people in the Trump administration thought they had reason to believe that uh, Russia world, for lack of a better wor word, um, had Hillary Clinton emails and wanted to disseminate them in a way that was advantageous to them. We've got some a, mm -hmm. a few indications that that might be true. Mm. Right. Um, if they did, those uh, emails were gotten illegally. Mm. So knowing going in there that those e emails are gotten illegally uh, and talking to them in any active way and then at all coordinating the dissemination of it that could, in theory, overlap with conspiracy. That's what conspiracy is. Yeah. Conspiracy is uh, it doesn't have to be that we colluded on a crime. It could be I know that you committed a crime and this crime is something that I'm going to profit from. We're going to talk about it and we'll do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's possible. The uh, the faint this week, which is that um, it's more likely than not that it's going to be more about obstruction than conspiracy or collusion. We've seen about seven of these, I think, uh, throughout this investigation. Oh, it's just going to be obstruction. Oh, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. Mm -hmm. So I take it with a bit of a, a grain of salt. If it is just obstruction, then that is a political issue much more than it is a legal issue. And that mm -hmm. makes it very interesting, I think, because it, 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 it tells us that what we've seen from Republicans, which has largely been garbage, and I've got a, a couple of pieces up at Reason this week about the extent of this garbage. This week, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's a phenomenal amount of fucking garbage. The memo, Matt, the secret the society. Release the memo, re Matt. A hashtag, yeah. release the memo, secret society. It's yeah. all bullshit. Yeah. yeah. But if it's just obstruction, I think it goes I, nowhere. I think if it's if it's just obstruction, Agree, Michael? if it's just obstruction, yeah. that sounds totally ridiculous to me. The the notion that the actual obstruction that would have to exist is the firing of James Comey, which bizarrely, it's the firing of James Comey, presuming there's no con collusion and perhaps no conspiracy, Matt, um, the firing of James Comey for not investigating Flynn because the actual timetable 
Like the FBI had already said that they weren't planning to go after Flynn for changing his story and talking to the Russian ambassador. Um, and I actually think Eli had a very good piece about this today. Mm-hmm. Um, the like. re- release the memo. Yeah, this is the second time he gets name checked on the podcast. Yeah. We are. We're we're very good friends. I've, I've been over. We played uh, we played video games <laughs> together some weed. and some other stuff. Well, he smoked. I didn't that night. Um, I kid. Except maybe not. No, you don't. Um, but but he had a very good piece today talking about what's really necessary here is sunlight. And the fact of the matter is that this particular investigation, and I, I've said before on this podcast, I wish all presidents were investigated in this way and that there were these perpetual investigations of all of them that were totally ridiculous and probably entirely politically motivated and unlikely to result <laughs> in any sort of why? prosecution. Because why not it tie them up and make it difficult for them to do their jobs? Because I think the less that they do in many cases, the better. Um, but in this particular case, I think it's kind of nuts. The the prospect of prosecuting him for firing a guy who he had every right to fire in the event that there wasn't actually any crime to cover up. Like, that sounds insane to me. And the fact, in my estimation, that, you know, the mainstream media outlets that have been hyperventilating about this story for so long now um, are continuing to hyperventilate in precisely the same way as though a situation in which the the only thing that's there is obstruction of justice. Like It matters if this investigation turns into a situation where the principal concern is whether or not Donald Trump fired Comey to protect Flynn, which it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. There's no indication that the FBI was going after Flynn at the time Comey was fired. That just doesn't wash. In which case, I don't really know what we're doing here, but we would all be better off if there was more transparency and fewer just these weird leaks where we have to all speculate about what the hell is going on. I, I don't know how well, you can have a legitimate, have to credible... And, we don't all have to speculate. No, well, I, I think well we, we, we are in a situation where we have to. Who has been speculating this week has been Planet Conservative in a way. I, that no, Planet watch MSNBC yeah, and no, no, this a, week. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, and I, I'm on Planet MSNBC like yeah, I know. every Helping goddamn them. day. You have a doctor on the Black Sea in yeah. Planet it just hasn't yeah. been, you know, it was, a, it was an outlier week that it hasn't been particularly uh, fruitful for them. Um, but no, I mean, the speculation this week has been all on Planet Conservative for the most part. And it's been about the fucking secret society. Yeah, that's that's not exactly true. I mean, with this it release the memo, has. release the memo. Oh, my God. Russian bots are pushing the hashtag. No, I've seen that. No. Yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? That no, started immediately. No, but like it, it has. It, if you just like Google the, the phrase worse than Watergate. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. depending on whatever week it is, you're going to get more MSNBC hits <laughs> than Fox News hits. Right. This week, it's like nine to one Fox News. It like really is uh, Fox I'll give News. It, I'll and give it, it to all you. collapsed. Yeah. It all collapsed in such a way that the people who are saying it have immediately moved on. Americans for Limited Government, which is the most oxymoronic title of any fucking organization I can think of, have no interest in limited government. Never have uh, these people. They're they're awful, uh-huh. shitty conservative people. They're like, well, <laughs> now that we have, um, you know, Sessions has successfully um, discovered the uh, the uh, the the missing, you know, fifty thousand emails from uh, Strzok and. And page, then then we can finally release the memo. It's like, no, 
No, dude. We had like a 48 hour like interregnum there where everyone was saying that the worst thing that we've ever seen since Watergate is the fact <laughs> people are being fro- will be frog marched out in handcuffs. It was that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Complete nonsense. Jesus Christ. No. I mean, that's that's that the first is thing that I said. I said to a coworker the other day who asked me about this. What do you think about this? You, you, you pay attention to this stuff about the secret society. And I said, I guarantee you it's a bad joke. I swear to God, it's clearly going to be a bad joke. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's the, like the same thing with the uh, the Hillary Clinton. Um, um, do you remember the, the who was it? It was like the gateway pundits and the fucking Alex Joneses of the world that uh, she was doing like Santeria sacrifices because she went to a yes. Maria, Maria yes. Abramovich uh, performance one time or something. Yes. And it's like it's of a piece with that. <laughs> There's no secret society, guys. And it exa- like 24 hours later. Yeah. yeah. Bad joke. You know, people in Congress can't even understand bad jokes, you yeah. know, and and, you know, Ron Johnson's out there. He was the only one that even kind of leavened his, you know, accusation with something. He eventually, said, well, maybe he walked it back. He, he walked it back. But initially he said, well, we don't know the context, but it's clear that there's a yeah. society. He was like he was trying to do the, the double yeah, game. The first thing. time the first time I saw him talk about it, he said something about um, we we have a whistleblower who's telling us. Yeah. Like, whistleblower. One whistleblower telling <laughs> yeah. you no, about no, the no. secret society. The who's this lunatic? So what this is all about, Uh this is the guy who's the chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee. Yeah, this is not right. Like Homeland Security Committee, they might deal with some Russia stuff. I don't know. I'm just like spitballing here. (laughs) So what this is all about is further evidence of corruption, more than bias, but corruption Mm -hmm. at the highest levels. Mm-hmm. Highest levels of yeah. the FBI. Chaim <laughs> Pearl got here, and that secret society. <laughs> we have an informant who's talking about a group that was holding secret meetings. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. there's so much smoke here. There are so many suspicions. Yeah. And and that he yeah. and that and it's to the are that you is, fucking kidding me? Yeah, no, that no, is no, no, that's, no, 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 that's, that's, that's as far just a, yeah, no. no, that's as far that's out not on the just ledge. A, yeah, fucking no. Matt, this is a guy who was elected screaming, as a Tea Party with motherfucker. He investigated Benghazi. He went out there and fucking sued Barack Obama because he was uh, uh, right. uh, going uh, uh, beyond What's executive happening? power <laughs> authority in the, the way hey. that he would interpret Obamacare. Hey, for fuck's sake, Chris Jeff, stop banging your shit on elections. For fuck's sake, he's a guy who was the most consistent (laughs) critic of executive power run amok Uh in the fucking Senate from 2010 when he was elected as part of the two-party way, two-party way, until 2010. And now he's going to fucking tell me that the most important thing in the world is the secret society and the FBI? Yeah, your hands. Fucking Donald Trump? Fuck you, fuck all of you people. To to the extent, if it... (laughs) If it were in fact true, Matt, Matt. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, that's Barry. It's not me. <laughs> that's Barry. Liberal. That's Barry. Yeah. I, I, I got my thumb If it down. were in fact true, if it were in fact true, it might I be a good deal. I found that rousing. Yeah. I don't. I don't know that it is true at all. Yeah. That's he as just, far out as the Matt on the ledges you can go. Matt just finished the bottle of, of yeah. uh, whiskey uh, from the bottle. It's from the bottle. I gave him mine too. What is that? Pogue. What is that? It's not important. But did we get this from a listener? We did. I don't oh, have the name. I don't have the name. If you think it's just obstruction, yeah, yeah, I call him Moin sometimes. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's fine. If it's just obstruction, yeah. Do you think that the mainstream media and liberals walk away from this with anything other than just 
you know, so much egg on their face. No, it's no, egg in their face because no, no. they overreach so much. Yeah. And I think that that when Camille was talking about this, my thought was, you know, uh, you have a better grasp on this than most people. And you were saying, well, this and then that and then Flynn. And I realized when I was trying to follow the connections like I was the mentally ill guy in a beautiful uh -huh. mind. Yeah. That <laughs> this was ultimately the problem. Yes. With the Clinton investigation too, Rose Law Firm records. It's and, ridiculous. And Whitewater. And then at the end, everyone, you know what? Travelgate. Travelgate. You know what, and everyone, you know what everyone said at the end? He jizzed on a dress. That was it. <laughs> that was like, that makes sense to me. Guy came in a dress because he was he was fucking some intern. We need a blue Everyone's dress. Like, that's we need it. We, we need, need a dress covered in semen. Some, that's no, the only because, thing that will no, solve this Russian a, investigation. No, the dress covered in semen is that the American people voted for this guy. Covered the scandal. <laughs> <laughs> we are all covered in Donald Trump's semen. But they did it. But they did it. <laughs> but they amazing. did it because the Russians spent 150k drunk, on Facebook yeah. ads. Yeah. No, no. Oh my God. This is the no, thing. But the is scandal that, is that oh the God. scandal has always been the thing that is right in front of our face here. But I really believe yes, that. Yes, and, and it's amazing that the times have changed. So wait, wait, hold on. Just the to follow the analogy, just what's the right? Uh, so are we the dress covered in semen? The American definitely not me. You. Definitely not me. I, I don't want. I'm a giver. I, I don't want to lose. <laughs> There's everyone's losing their jobs Let's tonight. Let's turn this into the love cast. I, I tell you what, I can't lose my job. Well, I can't. Delilah after <laughs> I, think the, I think the least thing on the totem pole of why I'm going to lose my job tonight is oh, the you know the jizz on the dress. Well, no, America is covered in jizz at this point. Yeah, no. The thing they think you that's are, are going to lose your job but over is the Rose McGowan. That's the title of this podcast. No, but I said about Rose McGowan. I didn't understand. I the story and I drew that back <laughs> for the record. I didn't understand this. I've got no, you did. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This is this is another just calamity of fantastic. Total fucking disaster. We should we should cut this off. No, um, stop it. Man. Half half no a way. minute, half a minute for it's an idiot. Really fucking hot. An idiot right that right wrote here. something. Um, Anything? It'd be great if everyone said Anything? Barry was. No. So we do a segment, Barry, called Some Idiot Wrote This, and we take a piece. Everyone mentions a piece that, that we, we like. like. No, no, no. No, no. It's <laughs> literally Some Idiot Wrote I Something. I thought it was Barry. cheeky. No, it wasn't cheeky. No. It's very straightforward. No, we some mean Some Idiot it. Wrote This. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, the, the, the utility of this segment is diminishing because everything is stupid these days. It's a days. plethora of stupid. And it used to be there's like a couple of dumb people a week, but there's just too much. Can we know. plug something we like? Yeah, you can. Well, okay, you be can. positive. Please do a, fucking get a little idiot on go here. Get, go get idiot, and I want Barry to say something nice. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, Moynihan, you're a piece of shit from mm -hmm. Boston. Uh, Howie Carr. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you talking about? Howie Carr? Howie Carr from the Boston Herald. Um, Radio wrote, host. He yeah. wrote this uh, yesterday about the Secret Society, which is great. Um, this is before that we found out that the Secret Society was a joke and a text between two people. Um the crooked cops. <laughs> you should probably read this, not me. Let me, uh, let me see. Let me yeah, read it. Yeah, what, right, what are you the, talking the about? Bottom of the <laughs> the bottom of that paragraph here. The, the thick where, paragraph. Where, where are we starting here? Yeah. The crooked caps. Over I don't even see that. We didn't point it out there. We'll cut this off. Oh, my gosh. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, yet uh, that was evidence of plenty for hardened sleuths like the Boston Herald's Howie Carr. The crooked cops even have a name for the Democrat cabal, the secret society. <laughs> it's all laid out in black and white in the post-election text that the FBI neglected to delete as part of their, uh, uh, sorry, as part of their ongoing obstruction of justice. That's how we got. Yeah. So um, he capitalized secret society. 
because he pretended that that was a thing yeah, rather exactly. than like a, a, right. a reference. Because that's what they would call themselves. Uh, it was not proof. It was not in uh, 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 black and white in any sense. And he came to the conclusion, which Camille would like, which is that we should abolish the FBI um, uh, in itself. But the idea that you would come to that conclusion. And then pass the FISA, the FISA amendment. Based yeah. on what someone told you was a text in a single agent among what's the there's like 36, 40 people in Mueller's team. This guy was fired, by the way, a year ago or like uh, nine months ago. Um, coming to that conclusion. Yeah, for starting a secret there society. There are so many seals so trained to bark. Howie Carr, congratulations, you <laughs> motherfucking animal. I just want to say about Howie Carr as somebody grew up in Boston. <laughs> Is that I love the show because I used to listen to the show once in a while when I was a kid, and and he would be talking. I think Howie Carr went to Harvard, and he would be talking, and there would always be someone that he'd be like take a caller, and it was a local show, so he'd be driving, I'd be driving, and then somebody would call in, and it was always, "Hey Howie," it was always how you started the segment, and then there was some fucking scumbag from Revere who would go on in the most offensive way, and then Howie Carr, just so you know, Howie Carr's background in what he's. What he's capable of writing about is his last book was about Johnny Moderano, who is a hitman from the Winter Hill Gang, uh, Whitey Bulger's uh, outfit in uh, in uh, uh, Winter Hill in Somerville in South Boston. So he's written multiple books about um, uh, uh, what's his name. Whitey Bulger. I just had a, I just, I just, yeah, I think I just had a stroke. Yeah, <laughs> I had a stroke on 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 Get this man a fucking diabetes. Uh, and Howie Carr went to UNC. Didn't he go to Harvard for fucking law school? Not according to this. Fucking liar. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Fisher, our man behind the curtain, actually went to college in Boston. So I don't know. I'm drunk. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. go. Uh, real quick, an imbecile who wrote something uh, just on Twitter, and, it, and it's tied into both of these conversations, Russian paranoia and the secret society. Dinesh D'Souza tweets, oh, God. it is absolutely oh, critical. God. He's not the idiot, though. All right. Third act turn. He's an idiot, and this tweet is stupid, but it's it, it gets topped. Yeah. It is absolutely critical that officials in the FBI entrusted with so much power be ca all caps severely punished if and when that power is abused. That's right? that's true. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Louise Mensch. Oh. Oh. Oh, Come on, that's a little. That's all you need to say. Hey, hey, Anthony, do they they have internet access in those facilities? <laughs> I know. What it, happened? Oh, there? wait, wait for it because this what is because we'll talk about it after the show. There? This is two hundred. No, this, this, this is this is what two hundred eighty characters gives you. Oh right? no, oh, Jesus, Dinesh, you're gay. And you had a one-night stand with a man on a Navy ship, my sources. <laughs> my Sorry. sources said. She always, she, always, she always references the sources. It is a Navy ship. Not, not done. Right? <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm actually desperate to hear this. And that was how Russia compromised you as you were too cowardly to come out of the closet. There is a recording, apparently. True or false? <laughs> oh, Are you serious? And with that, definitely, I bid you good night. Definitely true. Pizza game. Oh my God. Holy this is, shit. This is America. I, I have... Um, and I love this country. I had some interactions <laughs> with Louise Mansch. Let's get her on the show. Let's get her on the show. No. Absolutely Let's not. Let's get her on the show. No, no we should. No, that's a no, horrible we should. idea. We should. We, should. we should do it Guys, with Richard like, Spencer. No, that is the thing we're going to do next week, right? Person. Richard Spencer and Louise Mansch on the show. <laughs> oh, my God. That Barry Weiss, uh, we're all going to go on vacation. You're going to actually host it. Richard Spencer, <laughs> Richard Spencer, Monique, yeah. and Louise Mansch. My fucking that would be an absolute disaster, Camille. Let's fucking end this. All right, this, uh, we got we to gotta get out of here. Goodbye. Bye. 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 We, we, we know of new methods of attack.